I'd like to thank everyone for coming today. This is our first Disaster Council meeting of this fiscal year. Um, and I'd like to introduce uh, our Mayor's Office Chief of Staff, Sean Ellsburn. Good morning, everyone. Just wanted to say thank you for your continued dedication to the Disaster Council, all your work with this. Um, as Chief Scott was just saying to me, some of the efforts uh, we've done to prepare for power outages might have helped us this morning. Uh, so you never know. Uh, you never know. It's not a question of when. It's just, a, or, excuse me, it's not a question of if. It's a question of when. We know this work is very important, and uh, thank you for that. Thank you, Sean. Um, and so I will give just a brief update on the two uh, one incident and one activity we have going on today. So there was a power outage this morning. It happened around 8 a.m. It was a third-party contractor struck a primary transmission line um, in the Mission Bay area. Uh, initial reports of over 22,000 customers were affected. As of 11 a.m., I'm happy to report that almost everyone is restored. There's still about 1,800 folks without power. Um, DEM continues to monitor and coordinate with PG&E on this. And um, as every, most folks know, we've been preparing for power outages um, as a result of PG&E's PS, PS Public Safety uh, Power Shutoff Program. And so, um, this, you know, we were able to activate our incident management team just within a few minutes after the uh, power outage was reported, um, and very quickly all city departments, but in particular DPH, looking at our hospital facilities, um, public safety, uh, transportation for MTA, we were able to do a very rapid assessment. Um, of the situation and report out. So we're very happy that it was resolved quickly and we will continue our preparedness activities in this area. Um, and then secondly, right now we have a planned youth climate uh, strike that's going on. It started early this morning. Um, they gathered at the SF Federal Building at Civic Center and um, things are, they will end at the Embarcadero and uh, everything is going fine with that right now. So um, we had, a, for our second agenda special presentation, we have had a change and due so, to some schedule, excuse me, scheduling changes, we're postponing that uh, until the next Disaster Council meeting in December. Um, and so we will move on to our number, uh, our report on emergency planning initiatives. And um, because Fleet Week is just a few short weeks away, we're going to focus on the Fleet Week activities. Um, for, for many people, they wonder why um, we would be talking about Fleet Week at Disaster Council. But for folks that aren't aware, um, Fleet Week is a lot more than the Blue Angels and the Parade of Ships for San Francisco. Um, we spend many months, most of the year, planning for training and exercises um, that occurs during Fleet Week. And um, we started working on this in January of last year. So this year, the work focuses on debris management and route reopening. Um, while testing uh, our recently completed disaster debris management plan, which has been hailed by Cal OES as an example, a, and you know, high, held up as a great example of a very excellent plan to deal with debris management. 
Um, Jill Raycroft from DEM will talk a little bit more about the exercise in a few minutes. I want to thank Public Works in particular for your incredible work um, and partnership on the debris management plan. Um, debris management is so critical and it's tied very closely with route reopening and something that we're going to need to be able to even just begin doing our response work after a seismic event, so thank you. Um, and, uh, and I, of course, I want to thank my own staff at DEM for their, plan, their work on that debris management plan and also on these exercises that are going to be really helpful for us to actually test that plan. Um, plans are pretty useless if you don't take them out, exercise and test them. So we're very happy to have that opportunity in partnership with Fleet Week to do that this year. Um, I'd like to invite Louis uh, Loven, who's the Fleet Week Association Executive Director, um, to talk to us for a couple minutes about what's planned uh, this year during Fleet Week. And for everyone, please use the microphones. This is a televised meeting, and we want to make sure everyone who's watching it can hear everything that you have to say. Okay. Hi. I didn't realize microphone. Yes, um, yes. But thank you for having me. And, um, you know, Fleet, uh, Fleet Week, we all know what Fleet Week is, right? It comes big, it comes loud. Uh, there are a lot of sailors and Marines that come into town, Coasties as well. Uh, at San Francisco, interestingly, despite what a lot of people think through, uh, in other parts of the nation, San Francisco and San Franciscans love the visiting military. The red carpet rolls out of the city. You see bidding wars in, in bars and restaurants. Uh, who's going to actually buy a sailor a drink or, or a meal? Uh, so San Francisco does this uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a such a proud way. And interestingly, we should really be proud of, Sa of San Francisco Fleet because, in fact, we remade it in 2010, and it has now become the model fleet week for the entire nation. I'll talk very little bit about that uh, uh, as I go through. But I want to be quick because you have a big meeting going on here. But fleet week, what we do is we organize based on three principles. What are we doing for the troops? Whoops. There we go. What are we doing for the troops? What are we doing for the community? And then what are we doing for the mission of the Center for Humanitarian Assistance? Did you know there was a Center for Humanitarian Assistance as part of Fleet Week? And that's where our partnership with the Department of Emergency Management and the rest of the city uh, really comes, uh, comes into play. As far as troops, this year we're going to have nearly 2,000 sailors, Marines, and Coasties. We're also going to have a lot of people from the Army and the National Guard. And in our air show this year, we have for the first time uh, ever is a demonstration from the United States Air Force uh, F-35 flight team. The F-35 is the most sophisticated jet in the world. And if you can get out to the air show and see that, it is really something else, the technology that, uh, that, that is behind this, this aircraft. And of course, we'll have the Blue Angels and all of these, uh, the other aircraft that are in the air show. Uh, I'm not allowed to say what ship is coming this year, but I can assure you that when you see what ship shows up, say that three yeah. times fast. <laughs> uh, when, you, when, you, when the ship comes in, uh, it, has, it has an amazing, um, it is an amazing tribute to San Francisco and the Bay Area specifically. And the Navy is sending it because it is a, um, it is a very moving tribute uh, to, um, to some recent history. Maybe I'm kind of like, you can, reverse engineer that and you can probably figure out what ship it is. Uh, so, so, we have, so we have nearly 2,000 uh, troops coming in and we have a lot of activities for them, the police and fire department, uh, the Olympic Club, 
Uh, Oakland Police Department and Fire Department get together and we have an annual softball, softball tournament. Uh, we reach out to the veterans home up in Yountville and they have a team called the Mixed Nuts. Last year the youngest player on the Mixed Nuts was 72 and the oldest was 92. And these guys are just incredible. Uh, so they come, you know, so they'll, they'll be coming in for the softball tournament as well. We do an iconic photo every year uh, that the troops have as kind of a takeaway after they've visited and so many other things that go on uh, for the troops. And for community, we have so many events. We have out on the Marina Green, of course, is show center for the air show uh, featuring the Blue Angels and again, as I said, the F-35 this year. And then along with that, every year we set up a humanitarian assistance village. And that's a chance for the Marines and the, and the sailors and the Army to, to set up their gear to show what their capabilities are in humanitarian assistance and disaster response. And actually, the entire first responder community is out there with command vehicles. DEM will be out there. Uh, Chief, I don't know if you're bringing out that, uh, the ambulance bus this year. So that. Uh, we're working on the plan right now, so yeah. I'll get back to you on that. So I mean, that would be wonderful. You know, it's a very popular thing to see. And then we have a STEM education center where people can go and they can learn about uh, you know, the, the, the science and technology behind so many things. Uh, and kids can go by and, and take a look at that. So there's a lot of outreach to the community. Last year we did 19 band concerts in neighborhoods throughout San Francisco. We're working with the Council of District Merchants Association this year uh, to organize those concerts. And so you'll see concerts in West Portal, in Ingleside, in the Bayview. Every, Every, uh, every district, if you will, every supervisorial district will have a concert taking place. If I could give you a couple of my favorites uh, relative to the community and the troops at large, uh, we have an Honor Our Fallen concert that we do every year, and this will be at the San Francisco De uh, SF Jazz Center this year. Uh, that'll be on Wednesday evening of Fleet Week, so it is at October, um, October 9th. And, at, yes, and it's a free concert. We invite the community to come out. Every year, the United States Marine Corps Band curates a very special concert to honor the men and women who have lost their lives in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so we'd really like to fill that hall up and really show support uh, for, that, for that tribute concert. Um, we're <laughs> Naomi might not like this. We're, <laughs> we're going to bring a 40-piece Marine Corps Band into City Hall under the rotunda uh, on... <laughs> Thursday, on Thursday the 11th uh, for a half-hour lunchtime concert. And so, um, so you know, when you, feel the, when you feel the wall shaking here, you know what's happening. Okay? It's not the air show, it's just a band. Uh, so, so we're doing things like that. And then also, this year down on Pier 3032, where the flagship uh, will be tied up, we're going to do on Friday evening, so this would be October 11th, Friday evening, uh, we're going to do a, a Welcome Heroes concert out, uh, and we're activating the pier. And I can't tell you, Elaine, your staff, your department is just fabulous in, in helping us to, uh, to get this organized. So there'll be a food truck jamboree out there, a lot, of, uh, a lot of interactive displays, and then we'll be having concerts. But that Friday evening concert is a Welcome Heroes uh, from 5 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And again, we would love to get as many community uh, members out to that as well. And then on Saturday and on Sunday, that whole pier is activated for uh, what we're calling Fleet Fest. So we'll have ship visitors. The last time a ship of this type came in, there were 17,000 visitors over the course of the weekend. And so now we have something for them to do out at the pier and, uh, other than standing out in the sun and waiting online. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I, 
if you go to uh, fleetweeksf.org of the website, you can see the, you know, the myriad of programs that we have. Last year I counted that we did 54, 54 events that if you were an events planning company, each one of those events could be considered a major event. Uh, of course, we have the Center for Humanitarian Assistance, and you know, we do a lot of things uh, under the umbrella of that. One of the things that is on, uh, on Monday of, uh, of Fleet Week was uh, known in the calendars as Columbus Day, Italian Heritage uh, Day here. Uh, we have an, a high school band challenge. So at the, um, at the Golden Gate Park band shell, we'll have eight high school marching bands from the Greater Bay Area, the Marine Corps Band, the Marine Corps Band will play, they cede the stage to each marching band, and they play in front of a, an audience of uh, judges. Following, the, uh, following that, uh, their performances, the judges come back with the results, and the first place band gets $10,000 for their high school music program. So we're trying to save high school music programs in the greater Bay Area. They can use that money for instruments for kids who can't afford them, uniforms, uh, uh, sometimes they actually to used to, for band instructors. And so, and regardless of where you place, everybody, every band that shows up gets some prize money. So that's a really fun thing to do. It's, like, it's kind of like the last thing, and it's on the, that Monday morning at the park. All events for Fleet Week are free. Uh, the keystone to the, uh, to the Center for Humanitarian Assistance programs um, are the peer-to-peer -peer medical exchange program and the senior leader seminar. Senior le the SLS, as we call it, is a day-and-a-half program. We've had speakers in the past that have included the Secret uh, Secretary of Energy. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had Sebastian Younger, uh, who had just uh, released a Tribeca Film Festival uh, documentary on uh, Syria and the, the plight of the people in Syria. So he came and talked to us. And then he also talked to veterans about what he learned in writing the book Tribe, which was a best-selling uh, book uh, dealing with post-traumatic stress. And then, of course, we always pick subjects. This year, we'll be talking about the debris management exercise. We'll also be talking about cybersecurity. We have the uh, Deputy Director of U.S. Cyber Command and the NSA coming to, uh, to talk about nation-state threats and then how do you thread that into what, uh, what local and state governments uh, need to be looking out for. So it's a, huge, uh, it's a huge program. The second day of that SLS program, we're going to be talking about sea level rise and how that affects national security and then tethers back into things like there is no fire season anymore. It's just always, there's always a fire in California. And for that, of course, you know, we're going to be calling more and more on our military uh, to augment the, the, uh, the, the, the forces that are already out on the fire lines. So with that, I think I'll turn it over to Jill. And, uh, and so we hope you're going to come to Fleet Week. And the Senior Leader Seminar and the Honor Our Fallen concert, that, you know, they're, they're all fabulous and they're worth your while. So thank you for your time. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. <laughs> so yeah, so as Lewis and Mary Ellen have mentioned, uh, this is our Fleet Week exercise program, really busy time of year. Uh, but as Mary Ellen also mentioned, we started this work in January, and I wanted to give a really, really, really big uh, welcome and thank you to Cynthia Chono. I asked her to do this presentation with me, and as a gift, I'm doing it for both of us. But um, So Cynthia Chono has been with the city for many years. Uh, when I started with the city 15 years ago, she was definitely a mentor, and she's become a friend. So thank you so much for all the work you've done. Um, this is a DEM-led exercise program. We're doing seven exercises this year because we have a very high bar, apparently. But 
My team uh, with Lonnie Haley Nelson and Andrea Jorgensen, we don't do these on our own. So Cynthia Chono, definitely a big part of this, as well as James Slattery from San Francisco Environment. Um, and I wanted to definitely thank Elaine from the Port of San Francisco. Most of these meetings and exercises are held on the port, um, and we really thank you for letting us use that space and exercise on that space, so thank you. So Mary Ellen mentioned our disaster debris management plan. It's a 400-page plan. Uh, it's actually very good. There's a lot of tables in it, if you're afraid of the 400 pages. Cal OES, the Governor's Office of Emergency Services, has really told us this is a best practice in debris plans. We've talked to partners throughout California and the nation, and this has become a plan that a lot of folks are looking to. So uh, I passed out, and up at the front was our debris uh, management and route reopening exercise kind of program of events. Uh, the big number on here that I'd like all, all of us to understand is that we will have potentially 10 million tons of debris following a 7.0 magnitude earthquake on the San Andreas Fault. And uh, that's a hard number to conceptualize. So we, have, we did some math through the work of Edie Schaefer. That's 280 football fields, eight stories high. And I um, am not a football fan, so Lonnie Haley Nelson from our office put it into a different kind of measuring scope, and it's 52 Salesforce towers. So that's, that's a lot, that's a lot, but it does help. If you think about Salesforce, that's a huge building that we look at every day. Uh, so this plan, as well as a plan that Lonnie Haley Nelson has worked on, our route reopening plan, we know that with this much debris, we're not going to be just moving it out of the city right away. So the way that the plan is written is it's in phases, and what we did on Tuesday of this week is we tested a middle phase of that plan. So if we look on here, the incident occurs, so that large earthquake happens, and we know that this plan is a response plan that will very quickly go, in, go into a restoration re and recovery plan. Uh, so on Tuesday of this week, we activated our local debris management task force that Public Works, Works heads up. This task force will probably be sitting at the Public Works DOC, um, but what we've learned is that if we don't understand what the state and the feds are doing at their task force level, it's going to be really challenging for us to coordinate. So we had the unique opportunity to have both of those task forces activated. This is akin to what we did last year with the state and federal fuel task force, and a big recommendation from that was as we move forward that we have a local fuel task force because this work is just so large. So this is a photo from Tuesday. Uh, this was our fifth exercise of the series. If you look on that side of the table, the, the further side, you have folks in military uniforms. Our side, we've got uh, MTA, we have Scarlet Lamb, uh, Public Works, we've got, uh, let's see, we've got PUC, we've got TIDA, so the Treasure Island Development Authority. We know the debris on that island will need a lot of creative solutions. So it was really great, and I think for Cynthia and I and James, a big lesson is that the state and feds have a lot of ideas about how they want to help us, but it's really important that we tell them what kind of help we need. So just quickly to go through all of the exercises. So Cynthia really started this planning in January with the, doing some workshops around what this very large, robust plan where DPW is really at the helm 
She worked with her staff at the Department Operations Center to explain the plan and the concepts that would be operationalized at that level. And then we moved into tabletopping it. Uh, we eventually integrated Lonnie Haley Nelson's route reopening plan to kind of look at how those plans support one another. Uh, the disaster debris management plan, as I've said, this plan will be with us for years. Uh, if and when we have that catastrophic earthquake, it really sets up different constructs at different time horizons. Uh, next week, we're going to be moving into a resource request drill with uh, five port authorities uh, in the Bay Area, as well as different Office of Emergency Services emergency operations centers. We are testing how we request resources from that low field level and at the Department Operations Center. So next Tuesday, I, I'm assuming that most of our DOCs will be activated to send requests into the Emergency Operations Center. When they get there, if we cannot fill them within the city, our logistics section will send them up to the State Operations Center that will be activated. So this is a great way to really time out how we're getting our resources, how we're asking for them. And then our big, you know, feeling is that when they get to the state level, we're not the only operational area that would be impacted in this type of disaster. So at the State Operations Center, how are they looking at resource requests from the 11 Bay Area counties and figuring out who gets what when? Our full-scale exercise, as Lewis mentioned, it, it kind of kicks off Fleet Week. It's on the 7th, which is that Monday. We will be activating a command post at Pier 27. Uh, we will also have the San Francisco Public Works Department Operations Center activated as well as parts of our Emergency Operations Center. Uh, at Pier 27, we'll also have a static display of various local, state, federal, private sector, and Department of Defense debris moving apparatus. I think it's really important as folks that maybe don't work at Public Works to understand how large a lot of this equipment is. And as, as it comes in, we're going to have to find a place to stage it and to care for the folks that will be actually operationalizing this mission. Um, so any questions? Okay, and then Mary Ellen will be uh, leading a panel about the exercise and then the general defense support of civil authority, so how the military comes in to support us in this debris work. Thank you, Jill. I really appreciate all the hard work um, that you all have done, and I just want to also say to Lewis that I really appreciate the partnership San Francisco has with the Fleet Week Association. Um, and to my colleagues here, I really want to urge you to participate in, um, for your staff that's participating in the, the exercise, that's great, but we really um, encourage policy level folks to participate in the senior leader seminar where we're going to be talking about this. Um, debris removal is going to be critical to anything that we do and uh, my concern is that everyone has a good understanding of the magnitude of this program and operation and that you are incorporating this debris removal and route um, clearance, these considerations into your own plans. Um, because if you don't, your plans are not, you know, we want to make sure you understand timing and what you can actually execute and when. So thank you. Um, at this time, we want to, uh, the public may now address the Disaster Council for up to three minutes on items, uh, on items that have been discussed now. Um, is there any public comment on, on this item? Okay, seeing none, we will move on. Madam, Madam, oh, I'm sorry. No, I just wanted to make mention to add to Lewis's uh, very helpful and informative uh, presentation that 
on October 13th, it will be the 244th anniversary of the Navy. And um, the Fleet Week uh, folk have asked uh, the San Francisco Interfaith Council to host an interfaith service for the chaplains that will be visiting. Okay. And that's going to be happening up at the historic Main Post Chapel in the Presidio where our offices are. And we would extend an invitation to all those who would like to come. It's gonna be 10 a.m. and it will be prior to the Italian Heritage Day Festival and Parade. <laughs> Thank you, thanks Michael. Any other comment? Okay. Thank you. So we're going to move on to uh, our preparedness section um, and a status update for Urban Area Security Initiative, or UASI, Regional Training and Exercise Program. Craig Desick is going to speak. Good morning, uh, members. Uh, Craig Desick with the Bay Area UASI. And for those who might not be familiar with the, uh, the Bay Area UASI, it's a program funded by the Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security. The uh, Bay Area UASI has a footprint uh, going from Monterey all the way up to the wine country of Sonoma and Napa and encompassing the, uh, the cities of San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose. We have uh, 12 counties in the footprint, uh, three major metropolitan cities, 8,000 square miles, 8 million um, in population, and we're the uh, second largest in, the Calif in California, LA's first. In the nation, we're fifth. Um, we receive our allocation by risk. Number one is New York, number two is Los Angeles, Three is Chicago, four Washington, D.C., and we're number five. We're the uh, second highest population density. Number one is New York City. Uh, we're governed by the approval authority. It's an 11-member um, uh, board. Um, Mary Ellen, our uh, SFDM uh, DM executive director, chairs the, the meeting. It's a brown-acted uh, meeting. Uh, we have Chief Cochran, who is also a member of the approval authority. It is also governed by a master MOU and bylaws, and the, uh, the approval authority acts as the urban area working group, the UAG, which is uh, mandated by the, uh, by the grant. Um, the, uh, the members comprise the representatives around the Bay Area, they review and approve all the grant applications and expenditures. The uh, grant requires a nexus to terrorism. Um, our training exercise program uh, uh, encompasses, in the past, you know, disciplines of law enforcement, fire, hazmat, uh, USAR, EMS, public health, emergency management. Since uh, 2010, we had offered um, over 140 training courses conducted per year. We trained more than 4,500 uh, students. Uh, more than 9,000 participated in the exercises, and uh, we had more than 30,000 registered uh, participants. Uh, in 2011, uh, Alameda County administered the program. And then um, at the approval authority in March 2019, um, Alameda County withdrew as being the administrator of the program. Uh, San Francisco is the fiscal agent, and San Francisco in July issued an 
RFP for a regional training and exercise program administrator. We're in the process of going through and reviewing the application um, and all the uh, proposals that had been submitted. And at the approval authority meeting um, on November 8th, uh, we will select the administrator of the, uh, of the regional program. Um, I'm going to introduce Janelle Meyer, who's our program manager of the regional program, and she's going to discuss uh, the reallocation of the 2018 funds and then the process moving forward. Good morning, Disaster Council. Nice to see you all. My name's Janelle Meyer. As Craig said, I'm the regional program manager for the Bay Area Uwazi. Um, and as he, uh, as Craig discussed, uh, the regional training and exercise program uh, is being re, uh, we're, we're looking for a new administrator. And so our vision with this, so everyone knows, is we're going to uh, be looking at not only sustaining the public safety training numbers, also including community preparedness in this training effort um, and working with community preparedness organizations and reaching community members. So. There was a one-time reallocation of funds from this withdrawal uh, from Alameda County from administ uh, administering the program. Uh, the Bay Area chose to, wherever possible, continue to support training efforts throughout the Bay Area. So this reallocation of funds for one year this year, um, how that worked out was, uh, you can see there was uh, over three million that was reallocated to the Bay Area. We work in four hubs, four different areas of the Bay Area, and each one of them received 812,000. San Francisco and San Mateo counties are considered the West Bay hub, and uh, each, of those <coughs> each of those jurisdictions got 406,000. So in San Francisco, you can see we've divided it through DEM, um, uh, through the four different agencies. Uh, DEM, uh, Community Preparedness Training, is going to be executed uh, for part of this funding, 116K. Uh, there is a Sheriff Canine Security Transportation Trailer that was requested through the Uwazi the proposal process that uh, is going to be funded. Fire is uh, using 135 to uh, execute some NERT training and support to NERT programs. And then um, SFPD is going to continue with the public safety training courses they were planning and executing those themselves. Um, so that's how the reallocation of funds has gone this year. Uh, you'll be seeing that throughout time this year. And then what we're doing, um, as Craig uh, had mentioned, we've got an RFP. Um, out. We've uh, done the minimum qualifications, uh, and the uh, new administrator will be uh, decided at the November uh, meeting, in the, uh, uh, the approval authority meeting, and we'll be working on integrating community preparedness into the training program from there. Thank you, Janelle. Uh, are there any questions or comments from any members of the council on this? Okay, if not, I'd like it to open it up to public comment. Oh, I'm sorry. I just want to mention that uh, our 2020 process is beginning. We have an open portal, so if you're interested in any UASI type of funded programs, uh, please uh, go to our website. We had a kickoff in Alameda County this week, and the turnout, uh, if you have any questions on, on you know, the criteria or how to apply, please reach out to us with everything. 
Um, and if it's helpful for folks, um, this, this program was the program that Urban Shield was part of, and so um, Alameda pulled out of that, and so that's why this is, um, so basically Urban Shield doesn't exist anymore. This is a uh, new process to find a new administrator and really uh, recreate the training and exercise program for UWASI. Okay, any other comments or questions? Okay, any uh, public comment on this item? All right, thank you. All right, now we're moving on to emergency uh, response, and we're gonna talk about mutual aid for a moment. I just have a few comments and updates for this item. Um, since Disaster Council last met, we deployed one staff member, Nubia Mendoza, who's over here, um, who helped the public information response to the Gilroy shooting. And um, Nubia, you were there for five, how, how long were you there? She was there for five days, um, reported immediately after the event, and really provided incredible service to the folks down there helping with not only public information, but you know, helping them, supporting their coordinating family reunification. And it was a very, um, it was a very intense experience and we really appreciate her service and, and going there and, and providing this um, for Gilroy. And it just sort of underlines um, the, the need and our desire to be available and be able to deploy. Um, one of the things that you know we are focusing on is is looking closer and refining our plans should we have an event um, like that, which we hope we never do. Um, but Nubia's experience and what kind of work there and challenges are so helpful to us. Um, and I just want to remind my colleagues here again that um, in order to deploy, we need we need to have folks prepared. Um, we have issued a credentialing program out of DEM, which um, we are, we've shared with departments. Um, we recently uh, had a request to deploy uh, due to Hurricane, to Hurricane Dorian in the south um, to Florida, which didn't really hit Florida that hard, but we were challenged to put together a team. Um, and so it just tells us that we need to really continue to identify staff in all of our departments that will be available um, to, to deploy. And remember that, you know, when the event happens here, uh, we're gonna be depending on our partners throughout the state to, to come to us also, so. Um, again, wildfire season is here, um, and we continue to prepare for um, possible uh, public safety power shutoffs. Um, we've done three, uh, We've done three workshops since June. One was an in-city workshop. One was with our uh, external partners within San Francisco. And then we did a regional workshop. We are compiling all of the data um, from those workshops that really give us a lot better picture of consequence of these uh, potential shutdowns and what we need to be prepared. Um, a final workshop is going to be held this Wednesday, next Wednesday uh, September 25th, pg &E is hosting that workshop. They will be there to answer all of your questions um, about the program and uh, invitations have gone out, so we hope we have good uh, presentation there. Um, 
and uh, you know this um, fire as I say fire season we're still in it um, you know we had our air quality event in November last year so we will not relax until the rain really starts um, so we appreciate everyone sort of being being ready if we need to um, respond so that is all I have to say are there any questions or comments about mutual aid or response oh yeah okay yeah good morning Mike Cochran Homeland Security fire uh, the fire department also has a K-9 unit there's three members they're available for local uh, response post-disaster or just a regular emergency but they're also tied to California USAR Task Force 3, which is a FEMA-based uh, USAR task force, and one member was dispatched to Hurricane Dorian. Luckily, like you said, Mary Ellen, uh, they didn't, they basically staged there, but they have worked at other hurricanes, so they're also available too. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, if not, we will move on to uh, resilience and recovery, and Adrian Bacalli is going to report out on Loma Prieta 30th anniversary events. Good morning, Disaster Council. Um, I'm here today to explain some of the events that the city is planning for the Loma Prieta 30-year anniversary from our 1989 earthquake here in San Francisco. There's three major components of the events that we've been planning. Um, the first includes a, a um, event centered around the Great Shakeout. So the 2019 Great Shakeout for, Cal uh, for San Francisco is based off of the state's largest earthquake drill um, called the Great California Shakeout. And this year, the Great California Shakeout, it normally is the third Thursday of every October. This year, it actually falls on the same day as the Loma Prieta earthquake anniversary. So we are using this to tie in everything together to ensure that the public and our residents are truly prepared for earthquakes, um, both in in hindsight, thinking about the 30 years since the Loma Prieta earthquake, and then moving forward to continue to, to remember that to drop cover and hold on is really the best way to respond to earthquakes. So we will be hosting um, an event, DEM, along with the mayor and the fire chief. Um, we'll be attending a local school and doing a drop cover and hold on drill with that school, um, local elementary school. So we're really looking forward to working with the school district and working with the children in the school to um, promote this event. Um, something I also want to note is that this is truly the biggest earthquake drill throughout California. So we encourage everyone, no matter where you are, to use this day on October 17th to practice your earthquake response, to drop cover and hold on. The Great California Shakeout always corresponds the date with the time. So this is 1017 because it's October 17th. So at 1017 a.m. is when we really encourage everyone to drop under the desk, take cover under something sturdy, cover your head and neck with your hands, and hold on until the shaking stops. And so we really encourage everyone to participate in that wherever you are throughout San Francisco. 
The second big component of the Loma Prieta anniversary um, on October 17th is going to be a community-based event. We're going to host an event in the marina, um, along the Marina Green, and it's going to um, do a, a bunch of different things, primarily commemorate those who died in the earthquake in 1989, um, but it's also to honor those who risked their lives to protect survivors of the 89 earthquake, um, especially first responders. Um, and it's also a chance to highlight uh, everything that the city has been doing since 1989 to better invest in our infrastructure, um, encourage planning efforts for earthquake response, um, and really um, in, uh, showcase all the initiatives that have been, um, since 1989, have been implemented by the city and county. So this event is um, being planned for the afternoon of October 17th um, along the Marina Green. It will incorporate a short speaking program um, that includes the mayor and other elected officials to really highlight those components that I mentioned. Um, but it will also uh, incorporate a, um, a display of our first responder equipment and apparatus. So we really want to highlight the San Francisco Fire Department, especially our neighborhood emergency response teams and their um, equipment, because in 1989, it truly was volunteers with the San Francisco Fire Department who saved the marina and working together we're able to bring out those hose tenders and really fight fires in the marina that resulted from the 1989 earthquake so we're looking forward to displaying some of that emergency response apparatus as well. Um, and the third component of that piece is a resource fair. So we will have um, public agencies, private agencies, our nonprofit partners, community-based organizations that will set up and be able to um, communicate all of the resources they have as well as information about earthquake response, preparedness, um, and just truly information that we can highlight what we've done since 1989, but give the public resources and information that will help them truly be more resilient. The third and last component of uh, the commemoration events for the Loma Prieta earthquake is we are intending to do a wireless emergency alert system test, a WIA test. So that is similar to like the Amber Alerts that you get on your phones. Um, and this would be the first time that San Francisco is conducting a test of this nature. So the purpose of this test is twofold. One is to, to actually test the system and make sure that the, the um, systems that we have in place will work as intended. And the second component of the test is really to promote earthquake preparedness and earthquake resiliency information. So we are capitalizing on the 30-year uh, anniversary of the Loma Prieta earthquake to remind people um, of earthquake preparedness. So the um, anticipated text of the message that will come out will, of course, reference that this is only a test of the system. Um, it will acknowledge the 30-year anniversary of the earthquake, and then it will direct um, residents to sf72.org, which is our um, community's, uh, San Francisco's website that includes information and resources for earthquake preparedness. Um, but prior to this test, we will include a stakeholder call with our local, regional, state, federal partners and our private sector partners to ensure that everyone's aware. And we are putting together a public outreach campaign to ensure that the public is not surprised by this test to the best of our ability um, and that they will be anticipating this and, and hopefully will go to then SF72 and become more prepared. 
So those are the events that we are planning to commemorate the 30-year anniversary of the 1989 Loma Prieta earthquake. I'm happy to take any questions. or organizing the resource fair, so if we wanted to make sure we were Yes, thank you. Thank you for, for bringing that up. The mayor's office is coordinating, and we actually are holding a interdepartmental planning meeting late next week. So please uh, look out for that invitation coming from the mayor's office. Thank you so much for bringing that up. events, uh, but also the progress we've made in the last 30 years mean to them. Um, so, you know, from our office, we really appreciate this and look forward to continuing to work together on it. Thanks. Great. Thank you. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. I just thought it'd be a great opportunity and Brian jump in to, to, uh, to talk about what the city's done since Loma Prieta. Um, we've spent 20 billion, or have financed 20 billion in public assets to retrofit and seismically upgrade our public assets, and we built new hospitals, new fire stations, police stations, our our wastewater, our, I mean, sorry, our water system improvement project. So much, uh, 12 billion in projects have been completed. We have another 8 billion that are with projects underway, including our seawall. Um, and that's not including all of the private assets that have been, gone on the way that, that have been seismically retrofitted, and that's not including Caltrans and other projects. I don't know if you want to add more, Brian. Yeah, no. Thank you, Naomi. No, I don't. I don't think there's more to add. It, it, it's it's been probably, and, and I think it's actually safe to say that since the 06 earthquake, we've never invested larger amounts of money in our infrastructure in, in a 30-year period. Uh, just the past 10 years alone have been really impressive, but even going back further, um, and I think those types of commitments are really showing up uh, all around the city as you, as you drive through the city and as you see them. Everything from the Veterans War Memorial Building, this building, um, and, and all around. So we'll definitely want to make that part of, our, um, part of the discussion that happens there, because so often we, we talk about all the work that we have to do. We really want to take advantage of the chance to sort of say, you know, and really, thanks to the citizens um, that we've been able to get the, the funding um, to make it all happen. Thank you. Um, probably the most common question I've been asked in like over the last six weeks, this happens a lot before earthquake anniversaries, is are we, how much better prepared are we than we were 30 years ago? And I mean, the answer is much better prepared. Um, and uh, and that is in great part to the folks here, but also um, the people of San Francisco who have supported all of this work. Um, however, that does not mean that we can just sit back and think everything's okay. And so I think these opportunities are super helpful and we wanna encourage everyone to um, stay, you know, a little bit on their toes here and remember that uh, it's, it's really important that if you can prepare, if you can take some measures um, that you do so, there's many members of our community that, that aren't able to do that. And so for those of us that can, it makes it even more important that we make our plans, that we connect with our neighbors, that we 
um, organize ourselves a bit and think through what an earthquake looks like um, so that the city can really be reaching out to those who are most vulnerable. So thank you. Is there any public comment on this item? Okay, seeing none, we are gonna move into the Disaster Council uh, Roundtable. And so this is an opportunity for any member of the uh, Disaster Council to make announcements, comments. Yes, Mickey. Uh, okay, uh, thank you, Mary Ellen. I just wanted to let people know that uh, we've been working in conjunction with department safety officers to issue wildfire smoke guidance for city employees. Uh, we are one city, so in the event there's a wildfire smoke um, problem, we don't want you know, outside workers at DPW to be sent home while people at the PUC still have to work or vice versa. We wanna make sure that city employees are treated equally for the same conditions. Uh, the state of California issued a very wordy and hard to understand document which we are obligated to, to give to employees, some of whom may not be have their in, masters in industrial hygiene. So we have uh, been working on a, a, like a little nice chart that goes with it, which we're gonna also issue so that people will be able to read it. Uh, and that guidance will be going out on Monday. In addition, we are working again with our wonderful department safety experts on heat guidance. Uh, there are no regulations other than a general duty under the uh, Cal OSHA regulations to, for, for people to be safe. But there are, the state is developing heat guidance, but we don't want to wait for that guidance. Yeah. So what we're doing is developing a standard approach for the city, and then if we have to amend it when the state issues its heat guidance, we will do that. And basically, uh, we're addressing not just outdoor workers, which it's gonna be talking about at what level, you know, would people need to be sent home or brought inside or given more frequent breaks, provided shade, all of that. But also at a certain point, particularly if there's a public safety power shutoff, we will be looking at a loss of air conditioning in city facilities. And at what point would it make sense for people not to be able to continue to work? And what should departments be doing? And again, we wanna make sure that somebody in the controller's office is treated uh, just the same as somebody at DHR or another office in those circumstances. So I wanna thank the departments and DEM for all their assistance on that. And we will, again, issue that heat guidance within the next couple of weeks, even though um, uh, it may have to be ultimately reissued once the state gets its act together. Hopefully it will be a more easily read document for distribution. Thank you. Sure. Thanks, Mickey. And we won't meet with this group again until December, so just a reminder, we're, we're not out of, we're actually in, you know, heading into our hottest heat and wildfire time right now. So um, another reminder that sf72.org has a lot of information, um, has the air quality toolkit, information about our heat response, so um, great resources there if you need it. Anyone else? Yes, Michael. I just wanted to report on an event and also to express appreciation to some people. Uh, as many of you know, over the last year and a half, there have been some pretty serious terror and tragic terrorist attacks on houses of worship uh, in churches in Sri Lanka and, the, and our deep south. Uh, synagogues in Poway and Pittsburgh, uh, mosques in Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, and following each one of these terrorist attacks locally, the San Francisco Indian Faith Council in collaboration with Houses of Worship w would host vigils. And at each one of these vigils, the mayor would come. And the mantra was people should feel safe when they go to worship. 
And I asked myself, what are we doing about this? And so what emerged from these tragedies was a collaboration of uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, all branches of law enforcement, uh, working with the Department of Emergency Management, Public Health, NGOs, as well as the Jewish Federation, uh, the Jewish Community Relations Council, um, the Human Rights Commission, uh, and a number of other advocacy groups, as well as the archdiocese. On September the 9th, we held uh, a very high-level convening at which 300 uh, registrants were present on security and houses of worship. And the mayor was there uh, and, and inspired us all. I also want to thank uh, Mary Ellen because she was on a panel, and I want to thank the chief, uh, Chief Scott, because he was on a panel on... Uh, it's sad that we have to have these events, but I think that I sleep better at night knowing that we've done our due diligence and we're gonna be having a debrief with all of those who participated on the panel and the planning uh, to see if we can keep these lines of communication open because the folks that were at this table have never been at the same table before. And just as this council is uh, here to serve the city, uh, we wanna make sure that we're doing our part as well. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Yes. Hi, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Derek from Supervisor Valley Brown's office. A um, couple things that what Michael was speaking of and also uh, you know, the discussion of mutual aid deployments brought up you know, an issue that's important to Supervisor Brown. As many of you know, um, District 5 for the last 17 years has been the host of Harley Strictly Bluegrass, which is one of our most beloved institutions in this city and in District 5. Um, troubling to her was the you know, announcement this year that that event is going to be fenced for the first time. Um, so I'm wondering if uh, uh, Ranger Santiago or uh, the chief can either speak to the council today about what sort of changes the public could expect to see at this event and what sort of outreach we're doing to the public because it is a major change for families who are, you know, living in the world that we're living in today. Um, I'll make an announcement before I turn this over to uh, Deputy Chief Mannix. I just wanted to announce that Deputy Chief Mannix is now taking over our Special Operations Bureau, which entails uh, she has oversight over our tactical unit, which includes uh, our SWAT team, our traffic company, which are all of our motorcycle uh, officers and our department operations center. So I'll turn this over to Deputy Chief Mannix because she has been involved in those conversations about Hartley Strictly. So, Ann. Thank you, Chief. Yeah, we, we met a couple of weeks ago with the organizers uh, of Hartley Strictly, and uh, we laid out what we thought. I mean, we're in an, a different age. Um, we've had a lot of recent uh, mass casualty events and we laid out uh, a, a pretty thorough uh, security plan for them. And uh, they adopted some of it. So you will see some fencing. You will not see the uh, large seating. You will not see the large uh, coolers of past. Um, if they show up, they'll, they'll be allowed in, but they'll be subject to search. Um, the, the, it is a new normal. Um, but uh, they took some of our suggestions and, and kind of made it work for the type of event that they host every year. Uh, it won't change the, the content of the event. You can still bring your alcohol in. Uh, you can bring in uh, just about everything you did of the past, but no kegs. Kegs were brought in routinely in the past. 
large, uh, like I said, large uh, kegs, and, or excuse me, coolers, and that was a concern for us because you can put some pretty nice weaponry in a, a, a larger cooler. So smaller coolers, clear backpacks we're advocating, but again, nothing will be turned away, but it will be subject to search, which it wasn't in the past. So those are the changes. It's, it's not 100%. I mean, like if you go to outside lands, you're thoroughly searched. Um, hardly strictly, you will not be. And let me add another thing. I was a young police officer in 1989 directing traffic at uh, Battery and Market when this huge event occurred. Uh, and it was a lot of chaos. First three days, or three days straight, uh, uh, was an interesting time. So this is fantastic that we're all sitting around the table talking to each other and, and gearing up for the next one because it's going to happen. We know that. It's going to happen. But um, I think we did a pretty darn good job in 1989. I know we'll do a better job if it happens again. So thank you. Uh, are there any other questions around Hardly Strictly? Thank you, Deputy Chief, and sure. thank you, Director Carroll. Deputy Chief Mannix, may I just add to that? I think with the fencing now, there's like four cho points yeah, of entry. Sorry, so I and I mentioned that, right. Yeah. There are four entry points now, whereas in the past, you could walk through the bushes and get there. Um, now you'll be directed to one of the four entry points and, and, and looked at, uh, not thoroughly searched like outside lands, but um, it, it is a new normal, and even Hardly Strictly is adopting uh, some of the things we advised. Thank you. Yes, go ahead, Jeff. Good morning. Uh, Jeff Littlefield with the San Francisco International Airport. I just had two really quick updates I wanted to share. Is that uh, August 30th, the airport conducted a um, hotel, our new hotel. We did a ho an active shooter uh, exercise, um, and we employed all of law enforcement and all of the different uh, emergency response agencies at the airport. Uh, really good exercise. We actually are doing the debrief today. Um, so when I hear about some of the lessons learned, um, I'll be happy to share them with this, with this group. Uh, only other thing I wanted to mention, October 2nd, we're doing our annual emergency exercise uh, at the airport. Uh, we'll have a lot of volunteers uh, that'll be participating in that and anyone that's interested um, from this group that uh, would like to participate or uh, be an observer, you're certainly welcome to do that. So. Just two quick updates. Do you, do you have anything else to say about the construction at the airport, Jeff? I can't dodge that one, can I? No, it's, uh, it's it actually news. was it's uh, a good news story. It's a good news story now. Um, it started off with some I'll just I'll just call it perhaps distorted um, reporting that took place surrounding the planning for it. Um, it was a nine-month planning process that led up to um, the actual construction that started on September 7th was slated to uh, last until the 27th. Um, the reality is that there was a lot of um, pre-cancellations of flights and coordination with the FAA and the airlines and the airport to ensure that um, operational disruption was minimized. And we were very successful doing that. Um, and the end result was this uh, uh, early um, opening of the, of the runway. So, uh, the planning was there, the execution was there. Uh, at times, what you heard was a little bit uh, off base, but I think um, we managed to we managed the message and uh, wound up with a positive outcome. So, congratulations on the early completion. Right. We're all Thank very you. happy. No, no. <laughs> Thanks. Any other? Yes. Go ahead, Mark. Hi, uh, Mark McClain, Controller's Office. Um, every year, the Controller's Office uh, sends out to all the departments um, memo 
with the project costing codes and the time tracking codes, and I just wanted to alert everybody. Uh, for those who had attended our DOC finance and admin section training earlier this week, they've already received uh, the memo that was part of the training, but we'll be sending that memo out today. Um, so you can, it will be going to the CFOs, so uh, the CFOs for all the different departments should be just on the lookout. Again, what this memo is covering is the, um, the project codes which are updated every year in the financial system, which are utilized to track the cost uh, for an emergency response situation, and also the activity codes that are used to track the time for a, uh, a situation so that we can get the maximum cost reimbursement. And uh, the new system allows us to track uh, much more efficiently and then also report out much more efficiently. So again, just wanted to alert everyone to that memo that will be coming out today. Thanks, Mark. Very important project codes. Make sure you are aware. It doesn't feel important now, but be, believe me, in the moment, you, wanna, you want those handy and your folks to have them. Anyone else? Yes. I'm Phyllis Onstad with SF Card, and I, I wanted to uh, uh, let everybody know uh, SF Card is there is a new program in California called California for All, and it's an emergency uh, preparedness campaign really aimed at California's most vulnerable populations. And some of the comments earlier uh, referenced the need to really to make sure that we prepare for everybody in California, and um, uh, San Francisco got a, uh, a grant to work with, uh, with agencies that serve um, uh, people with language barriers, perhaps social, social isolation, poverty, and other access and functional need challenges. And we are, uh, SF CARD is going to be uh, uh, working with uh, up to uh, 50 local agencies that have, that have the trust of their clients to really um, make sure that these people are not left out in preparedness events. Um, there are, and there are grant funds involved for those agencies. Uh, I have some information about this program if anybody would like to see it. There are a couple of ways that agencies can participate. So uh, I encourage you to, uh, to grab one of these, one of these um, pieces of paper that have the information about it if you would like one. Thank you. Thanks, Phyllis. Um, we really value the relationship with SF Card and the way in which you help us link to members of the community that maybe we wouldn't normally be able to connect to. So thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Are, um, any general public comments on that item or any other? Seeing none, uh, we're going to call the meeting to adjourn. Our next meeting is December 20th. Oh, and the power is all restored. So thank you. And the demonstration's still happening. Thanks, everyone.